Are you bored living a mediocre life? We were too, and we know how to change that. Each week, we'll leave our comfort zones to explore a new topic, then step onto our soapboxes, a safe space to sound off on our latest adventure. Come explore with us. All opinions are welcome. This is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. This is Siren Soapbox. Hello and welcome fellow explorers. Thank you for diving in with us today. Our mission is to inspire each other out of our comfort zones to explore. Find out how you can explore with us on sirensoapbox.com. We have a link for a free month of Audible, information on upcoming challenges, and how you can get your hands on our coloring book, a great way to relax and explore art. Join us now, guaranteed to spark some exploration. Or get us out of our comfort zone by sending us in a challenge. That's what inspired today's episode. Seriously, send us a challenge. Go to the contact section on our website. Submit an idea in the comment section. We are looking forward to hearing from you. Hope you are not listening to today's episode on an empty stomach because we are diving into the subject of food. This show idea is from Jack Connolly. He writes, I challenge the sirens to explore their local cuisines or those of their favorite places. Cincinnati has Geta, Cincinnati style chili, Kentucky has Burgoo and Derby pie, Pennsylvania has shoe fly pie and Scrabble, Indiana has sugar cream pie. As you can see, I'm not just talking about eating at a specific local restaurant, but more of a dish. If you are a local, then find out how to try it. Perhaps it's at your local grocery store and you've missed it. If it's from somewhere else, then do some research and keep an eye out for it so you know what it is when you see it. We have been on the lookout for shoe fly pie since it was mentioned in one of Connor's word problems. I'm excited to hear what everyone had to try. If at any time the conversation gets too intense, the safe word is mango. 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 First up on her <laughs> soapbox is Mur. I've lived in Cincinnati my entire life, so I wasn't surprised to learn that the two foods that are considered Cincinnati foods were really the only two foods I found during my research of our local cuisine. We have lots of local spots that serve foods you'll find everywhere, but there are really only two things that put us on the food map. Those foods are Geta, spelled G-O-E-T-T-A, and Cincinnati-style chili, as Jack mentioned in the challenge. Geta is a mixture of pin oats, a couple different types of meats, sometimes onions, and some spices. It's all cooked together for a long time and then cooled in a loaf pan. After it's cooled, you slice it up, fry it in some oil to get it nice and crispy, and then enjoy it. Some people put ketchup on it. Um, some people put maple syrup on it. I prefer mine plain or in an omelet, but there will be a video on our YouTube channel showing the getta Mark and I made at home over the weekend so you can see what it looks like. Cincinnati style chili is really just Greek chili. Picture a finely ground meaty chili with no onions, no beans, no tomatoes, just a chili sauce really. And it's served over spaghetti and topped with shredded cheddar cheese. That's a classic three-way. You can add onions or beans on top of that um, to make it a four-way or add both and make it a five-way. Or you can have it on top of a hot dog with onion, mustard, and cheese for a cheese coney, which isn't a Cincinnati thing necessarily. You can get chili dogs everywhere. Any way you eat it, though, it's delicious. There are two major competitors in the area serving up Skyline-style chili. That's Skyline. I mean, serving up Cincinnati-style chili. That's Skyline and Gold Star. I'm a Skyline girl myself. Um, curious what you are, so let us know. My very first job was at the original Skyline on Price Hill on the west side of Cincinnati. Fun little factoid about me. And to get me out of my comfort zone, I recorded a video for our fellow explorers on the proper way to eat a four-way or a three-way or a five-way. The method's the same. It doesn't matter. And spoiler alert, you do not twirl the spaghetti people. Sara, what local dish did you discover and try? Well, I was pretty sure I was going to jump into some getta when I first found out about this challenge. Although it took me a long time to try it when I first moved to the area. That could be because whenever I would ask what it was, I'd get, I don't know, some kind of meat and grain or something. So I was never particularly interested in giving it a try. I'm pretty sure the first time I tried it was after a 5K and they were giving out free getta sandwiches. I didn't hate it. So I tried it at Taste of Belgium in a breakfast hash and I've loved it ever since. For the challenge, not only did I find some for breakfast at work, but I also got some carry out this weekend from a local restaurant, Boomtown Biscuits and Whiskey. 
the executive chef there, Christian Gill, is from Lexington, Kentucky, and there are now two locations, one in Cincinnati and one in Union, Kentucky. They have an amazing selection of dishes with getta and a very tasty getta gravy, a total must try. So a local dish from a local restaurant. So I briefly toyed with the idea of making a burgoo, but when Wikipedia described it as a roadkill and veggie ragu, mm, I opted out. Coming on the heels of a recent foray into the vegan lifestyle, I wasn't sure I wanted to experiment with too many questionable types of animals. I mean, even Geta was still a slight meat mystery until now. So I wanted to find something that I could make at home. I looked for some more Kentucky specialties. I did look into making Kentucky hot browns, which is an open-faced turkey sandwich with bacon and a Mornay sauce, which is kind of like a, a, a roux, kind of not really cheesy, just a creamy sauce. That originated in Louisville at the Brown Hotel, but I'm not really that fond of turkey unless it's just like turkey at Thanksgiving. I don't really like it in sandwiches. So I found something much, much better to try. I found derby pie. This pie was created in Prospect, Kentucky at the Melrose Inn. George Kern created it and the name is now actually trademarked and the recipe is supposed to be a secret. Luckily, there are recipes that apparently come pretty close. So I found one and decided to give it a whirl. Now, while I do like cooking, baking cakes and pies is not something I usually do. I like tossing in whatever sounds good when I'm cooking, even when following a recipe. Can't do that with baking. So I followed the walnut, bourbon and chocolate pie recipe to the letter and damn, it was awesome. So I had a lot of fun exploring some of the history behind the local cuisine in Cincinnati and Kentucky, but I'm gonna to have to mango out of future food related challenges on the grounds that I'm eating way too much lately. So Jess, how did you fare with this one? I think I fared pretty well and my belly agrees. I was super excited about this challenge because I've been trying lots of different local dishes since moving to Hawaii and I've loved almost all of them. Hawaii is a melting pot of many different cultures and it makes the food scene really amazing because there's usually Asian, Pacific Islander and American food all mixed together. In fact, there really aren't many fast food chains to be had on the island. The main dish that I find myself eating the most often is called a plate lunch. The plate lunch consists of a meat, usually Kahlua pork, chili pepper chicken, and locomoco. Those are common meats. Uh, rice and your choice of either tossed salad or mac salad. Now, Hawaiian mac salad is very often a mix of potato salad and macaroni salad mixed together, and it's delicious. For dessert, you can usually find a selection of shave ice shops. Shave ice, not shaved. It's more like a snow cone, but it's a much finer texture and often has a scoop of ice cream down at the bottom. Pretty often macadamia nut ice cream because macadamia nuts are crazy popular here in Hawaii. Most places usually make their own flavors of syrups and they make them from local fruits, which are super refreshing on a hot day. I love this challenge and I can't wait to try even more local dishes like lao lao, which is meat wrapped in banana leaves and steamed or boiled. You don't eat the banana leaves with Elsie, don't worry, not the green stuff. And this challenge was just a lot of fun and I really want to thank Jack for sending it in. Elsie, did this make you step outside your comfort zone? Well, it's no secret most food is outside of my comfort zone. However, we do make it a rule in our household that if we're traveling to a new location, we are only allowed to eat at the places that are local. The only time I've ever failed this was in St. Croix. We had to get McDonald's because the island shuts down earlier than I'm used to. But since I was in Lexington this past weekend for Run the Bluegrass, I used it as a perfect time to sample as many local dishes as I could. The first night was at Palmer's. I had an Italian dish with a locally made gnocchi pasta and a Kentucky bourbon barrel beer. I didn't feel like this quite covered the challenge though. So after the race, we went to the cutest little restaurant in downtown Lexington called Stella's Kentucky Deli. I had been enjoying this challenge so much that I had to ask myself, what is outside my comfort zone here? Well, I feel I earned a gold star because I was so determined to get to Stella's I parallel parked in a busy city area, something I actively avoid at all costs normally, and it was so worth it. The restaurant was so quaint, and you can tell it was good because it was around 1 p.m. and the lunch rush was still buzzing. I ordered a bourbon coffee, 
a hot brown, which is an open-faced turkey sandwich, and a derby pie, which is a nut pie with ooey-gooey chocolate and bourbon. And I did get burgoo to go. Like I said, I had to get it because the burgoo was for Jack. He was the one that sparked the idea for this challenge with that burgoo stuff. More on that later. When I ordered, the waitress said, you are getting the full Kentucky experience today, which really made me feel good because I thought I was doing the challenge right. Hot Brown is delish. It was created 100 years ago at the Brown Hotel in Louisville, as Sarah said. Also amazing is the Derby Pie. And uh, I'm not going to reiterate the facts that Sarah already just said, but I will say that the name was pulled out of a hat. That's how they named it. And then when I got home and tried the burgoo, uh, as Sarah said, it was originally made with roadkill. So squirrel, rabbit, whatever you could find. And I got to say, it really wasn't for me. The other thing we tried at home was mint julep, another derby creation. That was good. It's kind of like a thick American honey bourbon, but minty. I could go on for hours about the history of derby and bourbon in Kentucky. But for now, I am interested to hear what TC ate for this challenge. What did you like best about this challenge, TC? Well, like you, I've always felt like one of the best parts about traveling is trying local food and learning about it. What I loved about this challenge is the reminder that we should explore the local foods where we live too. It's so easy to get in a rut with food choices. I have a favorite go-to menu item at all of our favorite restaurants. And while it's okay to keep going back to your favorites, it's also fun to branch out sometimes and try something you've never tried before. Goat stew is something I've been thinking about trying since our good friends visited over a year ago and raved about it after they tried it. So it's what I thought of immediately when I read this challenge. Finally, an excuse or a reason to get the goat stew. Goat is a staple item on St. Croix. Lots of islands in the Caribbean eat a lot of goats. There's a restaurant on island called the Chicken Shack. It started as a shack. And the food is so ridiculously good, it just kept growing. I love their chicken meals, juicy rotisserie chicken, rice and beans, salad, and Johnny cakes. Yum. Dino and I stopped by Chicken Shack to try the goat stew. But when we got there, they didn't have goat stew. It's not something they offer every day. And so instead, I tried the only other real option for this challenge, oxtail stew. Oxtail stew is a stew made from the tail of cattle used to be ox. We have our own breed of cattle near on St. Croix called the Senapole. They were specifically bred to have a high resistance to heat and produce a lot of milk. When I asked about the oxtail stew, the woman working there made a face and said she doesn't eat it. Well, almost everything at Chicken Shack is local. I've tried most of the non-sea creature options and I don't eat sea creatures. So I ordered the oxtail stew. I also ordered a locally grown and produced juice uh, called sorrel juice, which I thought tasted like cloves. Okay, back to oxtail stew. While the te texture of the meat was similar to beef stew and the flavor was good, I could not get past the big tailbone sitting in my bowl. This was completely mind over matter for me, I'll admit it. I took several bites of it. I admitted it was good, but I didn't finish it or eat the leftovers. Have you seen the tailbone of a cow? No, thanks. I'm all for doing the vegan challenge again, please. So it sounds like some of you ate stuff you've already had before. Was there anything that you had like an absolute mango about eating? Well, I mean, lots of the local dishes here are fish and I also don't eat sea creatures. So I, I, decided to go for non-fish options for mine. Yes, that's the lucky thing about living in Kentucky. Um, they don't exactly branch out except for the roadkill. So. <laughs> right. Same Cincinnati. Yeah. Well, kind of lucky. I, I, I probably would have mangnoed uh, out of a lot of things if I had been where you are, Tracy, which is why you know, the, the vegan challenge, and we, I think we even talked about this when we were doing it, was so much easier because even the grossest things are still just, uh, sorry, Elsie, you can not listen to this, what we're mm -hmm. saying here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the grossest things are still just 
plants that when you start talking about live creatures or things that were live, you can get into some really nasty stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, they, I just wasn't too on that. They don't waste many animal parts here on the island. So I, I was a little picky about what I chose. There's still lots of things I haven't eaten here. I mean, I did have an, off, an offer to go eat boa at one of our uh, restaurants. Somebody had caught a boa, which don't typically live here, but if they catch them, they do dispose of them down their bellies. And that kind of goes back to our vegan challenge too, about what determines what's okay to eat and what part of the animal is okay to eat. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have a steak and certain cuts of the animal, but then you start talking about the tail or the tongue or the liver and people are like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually had to look up what is local food because when I looked up oxtail stew to do some research, everything I read said that it was local to Hawaii, but Jess said it's not a local food. So then I looked up, what does it mean to be a local food? And it says local food, this is Wikipedia, local food is food that is produced within a short distance of where it is consumed. So if it's grown where you are and produced and eaten, then it's considered a local food. It says it's often accompanied by a social structure and supply chain different from the large scale supermarket system. So I don't know if you have if you have cattle on Hawaii, like we have a special cow here that's specific to St. Croix and that's where the oxtail stew comes from. But I don't know if it's a special breed. We do have cattle, but I guess I first heard of oxtail stew in um, conjunction with more um, like Asian and Filipino dishes. So um, I don't know. I mean, there is a huge... Um, population of Filipinos here and Asians, specifically Japanese. So I guess that's more, I heard about it before I moved to Hawaii. So I guess that's where I was associating it with Filipino because I heard about it from my sister-in-law. Yeah. Um, But it is popular here and people really like it, but I, yeah, I didn't really want to try that either. Especially. (laughs) I do not blame you for that. I guess there are two, a couple of different ways of looking at what local cuisine is, because yeah, when you talk, you know, you, you hear about eat local, and that's, I think, what you're referring to, PC, when you eat things that are locally sourced, and there's also something that was created or developed in an area, like some of the things that LC and I were talking about, um, the, uh, specifically the hot brown that was developed at the Brown Hotel in, is that Lexington? Or Louisville, I think that was Louisville, Louisville. and then um, and then the, the Derby Pie, which was in Prospect, and um, in in Kentucky. So that's different. A little. So there are a couple of different takes on what it means to be a local cuisine. Yeah, know? it's so hard though. Like Saint Croix, um, we've been purchased by so many different countries, and there are influences from so many different places that to try to start, you know, to to try to sort all that out and say, what is crucian? What is, I don't know, during what part of history? That's Rome. really. Rome. Yeah. Oh, yes. I was thinking. I was going to say. <laughs> so Tracy. Rom is, is crucian. I have a suggestion for you on your next um, Caribbean food adventure. It's called Roti Master. I think that's how you pronounce it. R-O-T-I. Yeah. I love roti. Oh, okay. And I eat it. I eat it all the time. So I tried to eat something I had never eaten before. And so, yeah, yeah, that place had really great food. Mark, we we both got a a roti and Mark got, they called it potato salad, but it was like sweet potatoes and raisins and some kind of spicy spice. It was really delicious. Sometimes they call that dressing. I usually hear that called dressing here, which really threw me off when I first moved here because I was like, ooh, I love dressing or stuffing. I can't remember which one they called it, but it's not what I was envisioning. But it is delicious. Yeah. Interestingly, in England, dressing is stuffing. Yeah. And, and like we're in Cincinnati, or at least in my family, dressing and stuffing were the same thing, but they're different here. It's, it's different. 
I learned mm-hmm. recently that Skyline Chili, I, I always knew that it was developed in the home of the Lamborghinis. Um, that's a local Greek family, but, or I guess, I don't know if they came from Greece. Anyway, I always knew that Skyline started in their home, but I learned recently that that home was once my home. My mom bought it, not from them, but from the people who bought it from them. Isn't that wow. crazy? That's crazy. So wait, was it developed in the home that you grew up in? Not that I grew up in. My mom bought oh. the home when I was about 18 years old. So I was a young adult living in the house, but yeah, I That's lived in the house funny. where it was developed and it was my first job in their restaurant that they opened the That's actual crazy. building that they opened. I feel like we need to clarify for our listeners who are not local, what a three-way is or a four-way. <laughs> Oh, you did say it was. Okay. Yeah. 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 But uh, again, a three way just now means clarify it again, Elsie. Yeah, yeah. Spaghetti, a layer of spaghetti and then chili and then cheese. So there are three ingredients. That's why they call it a three way. And you can add that fourth ingredient, either onion or beans, make it a four way or add onion and beans. And now it's a five way. I mean, and- you know, that means different things in different parts of the world. And we have cornhole here too. Right. <laughs> But that is not food. It is no, an activity. That's a game. <laughs> four-way so, onion is my go-to. Me that's too. Go-to. I always get a four-way onion, but sometimes I like to get it inverted, which means that they put the chili on top of the cheese because I like the cheese a little melty. I didn't know yeah. they did that. Yeah. The thing about that's that, interesting. it tastes so good. But if you get the onions on it, they stay with you all week long. Not just day, all week. Or skyline. Dear, dear friends from Cincinnati, the best care package ever has cans of skyline, or even just the bags of skyline. I can make it here. Sincerely, Tracy. Ah! Know that? Wait, <laughs> who's skyline and who's gold star? Skyline. 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 I'm probably the unpopular opinion in that. To me, they're the exact same damn thing, except for their fries. They are not. not they are not the same thing. We did not discuss fries. We were simply talking about the chili. Because yeah. if you're talking fries, then yes. But the actual chili, Skyline chili, is much better. Much better. Also, doesn't have as much flavor. Can't tell a difference. Wow. <laughs> hmm. So what is the proper way to eat Skyline chili or Cincinnati chili, Murph? So the proper way to eat it is to take your fork on its side and slice all the way through all the layers, scoop it up on your fork. You can use a little oyster cracker, throw that on top and pop it in your mouth. You do not twirl your spaghetti. The Italian in me just thinks that's so wrong. (laughs) Well, this is a Greek dish, not an Italian dish. That's the only way to ensure that you get all of the flavor profiles in every bite. It's so funny because oyster crackers at the beginning Mm. with while I'm waiting for it and put a little dab of hot sauce and eat it. And then when I get to the end and there's all the juicy chili at the bottom, I toss the oyster crackers in that and then eat that. Yep. Yeah. I don't do the the oyster oyster crackers crackers. as I go. I eat the oyster crackers with the hot sauce too. And I eat it before, but I eat it as I go and I eat it after. Just lots of eating of the oyster crackers and hot sauce. <laughs> I didn't know that that was the, the appropriate way to eat it. Yeah. And when I eat spaghetti, I twirl it. But when I eat a three-way, I cut it down the way you're describing. Somebody must have taught you along the way, Tracy. I just think that that's how you have to do it. It is different than spaghetti. Well, because My- their, their spaghetti is too slippery. You, it, it doesn't twirl very easily. My nephew twirls it and it drives me nuts. I'm like, what are you doing? What is this abomination? Well, when you twirl it, by the time you eat it, it's like naked noodles. All of the cheese and all of the chili is kind of gone off of it. It doesn't really stick to it the way tomato sauce does. Yeah. The cheese gets like kind of stuck in it as you're twirling. And then like, there's a little bit of coating of the chili. And then that's why like, there's all the chili left at the end that you toss the oyster crackers into. Yeah. And huh. it soaks up the chili. They're all doing Skyline now. A chili cheese sandwich. Oh, those are good. This, this is why Jess doesn't know that they taste different because she twirls them. 
Oh, I twirl and I know that there's a different taste. (laughs) What did we learn from the vegan challenge though? Like let people eat their food the way they want to eat it. (laughs) That's so true. It's so true. Mara's like, no. Mara's like, no, can't do it. That's all right. So you do you, Elsie. Elsie, we we have the same kind of we call them challenges or goals, not rules. When we travel, we also eat at only local places, and um, and we also try to eat only. I don't know. I, I'm sure I'm using the word wrong, but local food meaning that it's what they would typically eat in that area. Makes Mark it more and I fun. Just, yeah, you're the same. Yeah, yeah. Mark I feel like you. I feel like you get to understand the culture a lot better when you're eating the food from there because it's, they're so intertwined, except of course, for the sea creatures. Yeah. I don't eat the sea creatures. We usually like to ask if we're doing a dive trip, we'll ask the dive shop where the local haunts are. Yeah. You know, something that mainstream won't know. Like we found a couple good places in the keys that the local or the uh, tourists don't know about. It's usually just the locals. Mm-hmm. So those are the places I like. You guys learn anything new about your area that you try to dish in? I did. I learned uh, all about the Senapole. I knew that we had Senapole cattle and I knew they were specific to St. Croix. <clears throat> but I learned that it was a Nelthrop who, um, and that's just a really old and well-known family on the island are um, partially responsible for creating the Senapole cattle. They started with uh, Senegalese heifers, and then they realized that those weren't good milk producers. And so they mixed them with um, a bull from Trinidad called the Red Pole, P-O-L bull. So they get their name Senapole is from Senegal and Pole kind of mixed together. And that was really cool to learn about. I learned just how contentious the whole Derby pie issue became or still is actually. Did you read all about that, Elsie? I mean, um, they're holding on pretty strong to that Derby pie name and even even, um, suing people for putting up recipes for Derby pie and calling it a Derby pie recipe. So... That's I didn't why, read that part. That's that's why I didn't say, uh, I said I made like a, a derby pie, but really it was just a walnut bourbon and chocolate pie recipe that I followed. Hmm. I did read that um, the only time, like way back in the day that you could get an actual derby pie is by going to, oh, what was the name of these people? Um, I have it here. Ah, uh, the Kearns. Mel- yeah, at Melrose Inn. Yeah, that was the only place you can get it. I I was fascinated to learn how many things are connected to the Derby, how many food staples and how big that was in Kentucky. You can actually get um, Kern's Derby pie. You can order them online and you can get them frozen. So you can find them, the actual original. Or you can come to Sarah's kitchen. (laughs) I have a funny derby pie story. My mom, one time I was a teenager and we were shopping for ingredients for a derby pie and it was derby weekend and Kroger was packed. This was back in the day before online ordering and online pickup. You had to like physically walk through a grocery store. So we were in the checkout and this cashier was like, Oh, what are you making? It looks like you're making something delicious. And my mom said, Oh, I have found a recipe for Derby pie. And this cashier is like, no way. I need a copy of this. So my mom digs it out of her purse and hands the recipe to the cashier who leaves her line to go back to the office to make a photocopy of this recipe and comes back. But the problem with all of this is that there were like 15 people behind us waiting to check out. And not only in our lane, but like in every open lane, I couldn't believe it was happening. And I was absolutely mortified. (laughs) (laughs) But was it a good recipe? It was delicious. Delicious. I wish I had it. So you're going to have to find that cashier. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) There's a challenge. (laughs) 
So I learned that Geta was created as a way to stretch the food budget by German immigrants. So they would take whatever leftover scraps the butchers had. And uh, because Cincinnati is a big slaughterhouse town. I mean, we have lots of, there was lots of slaughterhousing happening back in the <laughs> 1800s, 1900s. <laughs> anyway, so they would take all that leftover stuff from the uh, slaughterhouses and mix it with some green to make an inexpensive dish that they hearty meal that they could serve their family and that's how it developed not mm-hmm. quite a roadkill hash but it's close right pretty close <laughs> it's a scrap hash yeah. scrap hash Sarah, honestly huh? isn't that more animal friendly to have roadkill food than to eat something from a slaughterhouse that's a good question well it depends on how many times it's been run over and how many bugs <laughs> got run mushed in with it you know <laughs> That's more of what I'm worried about. I'm sure it was fresh. How many but, how many flies and and what have you were mushed in with that? Yeah, you'd have to be like the car that's like ten cars behind the car that hit it, so that you see it and enough time to pull over and harvest the roadkill <laughs> before <laughs> anything too bad happens to it. And is that gravel or oat? <laughs> mm. If you have chickens, we call that grit. It's just just some grit. It's good for you. (laughs) That happened to us one time. We were in uh, Deer Creek for a retreat. And surprise, surprise, we hit a deer. And it did not make it. Well, actually, we had to call the cops and they had to shoot it in the head. It was horrible. But the guy that was behind us asked if he could have it. So he ate it. So its life did not go two ways it still cost us our car and traumatized me for the rest of that week but you know at least it was eaten yeah i've heard of that happening before you can just like claim a freshly run over deer as your own i do it quick though yeah quick that's the thing gotta be like 10 cars back i had a teacher in uh, college that for my mammalogy class that would uh she would get calls from the city if they found roadkill that was relatively fresh because she would actually um, dissect them and study the reproductive process of those animals. Um, and so she like had specific standards for how, how run over and how fresh it could be. And the like city would call her and she'd be like all right how many days and they'd be like i don't know she'd be like all right then i'm not coming i mean i guess it's got a purpose yeah i will say the burgoo is quite fatty and not very good and i will not be eating it again will anybody else be eating their dish again i will not be eating the oxtail stew again (laughs) i'm gonna let myself make another derby pie i'm gonna come over (laughs) In fact, I have three quarters of a derby pie that I'm going to have to somehow figure out what to do with. Well, we can all meet up and split that with you. I have to give you a towel anyway. So I am going to continue experimenting with Geta. I had so much fun making it and it's such a simple recipe. I want to add new flavor profiles and just like make some fun new Gettas. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with it. And I could eat Skyline like four days a week so it does tend to burn a hole in my stomach so I do have to limit my intake mm. thank goodness that doesn't happen to me to find a way to make the spicy getta and then you can make it when you come visit me in Hawaii because I do miss getta I can already picture how I'm going to do that and I actually am going to make a getta with some jalapenos in it that Tracy probably wouldn't like even though she likes spicy foods I think but she doesn't like jalapenos I don't, but I've, I've started trying to eat them more. I'm in training, Mer. I'm in training to like the jalapenos. I remember when you were in training to like shrimp one time and you just couldn't do it. And I'm glad mm-hmm. you quit trying. Me too. It's not, it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. You just that plat- shrimp? I know, I know. I thought you liked turtles. <laughs> exactly. 
Touche. I deserve that one. <laughs> Just that plate you're describing is, it's like we have that, that's what you get when you go to Chicken Shack. You get that same kind of plate. What did you say was on it? There's a meat and a salad. Is there rice and beans? Uh, just rice. Um, okay. So there's Kahlua pork, which is a barbecued pork, um, uh, barbecued underground. And then um, either like just fried chicken or chili pepper chicken, which is made with Hawaiian chili peppers. Um, or a locomoco, which is a hamburger patty with gravy on top and then a fried egg on top of that. And it's delicious. And it's about the most American part of that meal. <laughs> like those are usually the three main choices that you can get for a plate lunch. Um, so there's, other places there's, will have different ones, but. There's a meat and there's rice. And what else did you say? You can either choose between, most places will have, you can choose between a toss salad, just like a regular salad or mac salad, which Gotcha. Most places, it's macaroni potato salad, which is also very American influence into these dishes. <laughs> like that's it just all that's... goes really well together. Like, I don't know, the rice is good because sometimes the food is kind of salty. Um, so it cuts that salt. And then you've got like fresh potato mac salad. I mean, it's a popular thing here, too. And pretty much anywhere you go, it's not called anything. But like if you go to Chicken Shack, whatever meat you choose, you're, you're typically going to get rice. They add beans. The beans are in a little cup. You're supposed to dump them onto the rice and salad. And when we went to Costa Rica, that was almost every meal. And then you, you choose a meat and you have rice and a salad. And that's a really popular thing at a lot of different places. I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. It's, I mean, rice is kind of a you know, popular way to extend your meals. So mm -hmm. in most of the world, besides America, <laughs> I think in America, we just use potatoes to extend your meals. <laughs> I cook with a lot of rice. I love rice in this house. There are these places when we went to um, Costa Rica, there are, are restaurants called sodas and it's a type of restaurant and they're little local. Some of them are just shacks that's that's what you get at a soda you get a plate like that and you can choose your meat and you get rice and there are a couple of variations of salad when mark and i ate chicken shack we dunked our chicken into the beans and that ah. was delicious you know the history of johnny cakes no but those are delicious uh yeah there's a art that like the St. Croix Christmas song is all about Johnny cakes. It's basically some kid insisting that his mom make him Johnny cakes. I did not know that there was a St. Croix Christmas song about Johnny cakes. There are, but I don't know if it's a Caribbean <laughs> thing or a St. Croix thing. So I'm looking up this one. This one article says Caribbean Johnny cake recipe. Um, it says it's the pronunciation of journey cakes so I don't know if they were originally called a journey cake because you can take them to go take them on your journey uh, I <laughs> did take mine on my journey we had chicken shack right before we left the island and I didn't have room in my belly for it so I bundled it all up and stuck it in my bag and I had to pull it out when I went through customs and all that stuff but yeah I took my johnny cake on the airplane and I journeyed with it and ate it on my journey I did that once in Mexico. I got a uh, ham and ham and cheese omelet sandwich, croissant sandwich, I think, in the Mexico airport, and um, couldn't finish it. And then took it on the plane with me, and was going to finish it, and didn't finish it on the plane, and landed wherever we landed, and was walking through customs, and just oh, like an idiot walking through, and they're like, oh, what do you have there? And I'm like, oh, it's my ham and cheese sandwich oh you can't bring that in like oh okay can I throw it away oh no you can't do that here flagged you take you down here and they took me in and sat us down and and talking about how horrible we were and terrible and may have to find us and we might miss our next plane and everything and we're like 
sorry. Sorry, I didn't bring it back in my belly. Sorry, I brought it back in a styrofoam thing instead. So sorry, the ham that's illegal to bring in from Mexico. So sorry. And so, okay, finally, they said, all right, we realized. And then what did the sons of bitches do? They threw it in the fucking garbage can. I'm like, God damn it. That's what I offered to do out there in the line. I'm so sorry. Stupid. Anyway, never mind. Wow. Wow. Man, that just went down a really dark alley. I've taken food before. Like, I know people who will get food at the uh, Miami airport and bring it back to St. Croix. And you have to go. It was the ham. It was because oh, you yeah. can't bring the ham, you know, you can't bring, yeah. bring um, products. Pork. So yeah, there are signs all over our airport telling you not to travel with pork products and then telling you all the places you might accidentally have it without thinking. So I don't know why that is, why you can't travel with pork products, but I know I there are signs everywhere. Bacteria or some of the parasites that they may carry <clears throat> bring bring across, but like, I mean, I'm, it was either going to be in my belly or in the styrofoam container. And I'm so sorry that I did that. I forgot. But here, let's just throw it away and let's move on. No, let's go through this whole process and make you look like an idiot. And then let's throw it away in this location instead of that location. I'm like, okay. My experience wasn't as traumatic. I just had to pull it out and they put it through the x-ray machine. Was fine. <laughs> Are you going to have a yeah. nail file baked into it or something? I mean, I come on. Well, you have to put everything through that machine. Yeah, now. they made everybody pull their food. Any food that they had had to be out of their bag and yeah. kind of out in the open for them to see. I don't know why. I don't know why food specifically has to be pulled out of the bag, but it did. We went to St. Croix and probably my favorite, ex- not St. Croix, I live there. We went to St. Lucia and probably my favorite experience in St. Lucia was walking around this little town searching for one particular woman who makes this bread called Laba Bad. And Laba Bad is, uh, it's like crunchy. It, it reminds you of something you would dip in your coffee, which is exactly what I did with it. It's so good. <clears throat> Somebody wanted us to bring Laba Bad back to her. So we, we were at this restaurant and we asked about Laba Bad and they said, oh, you have to find, I can't remember the, the woman's name, but let's just say it's Julia. So we're walking around this town. Do you know where Julia is? Oh, you want lava bad? Yeah, we're looking for the lava bad. Go to the big mango tree. She'll be under the big mango tree with her cart. We're just like, God, I love this place. We're searching the town for the big mango tree with Julia underneath in her cart, wearing a yellow dress. Um, We didn't find her. We found the big mango tree. And once we found it, we, we both understood exactly why it's like a, milestone area. I mean, it was a massive mango tree right in the center of town. And there were lots of people gathered underneath it selling different things. Well, we didn't find Julia, but we found this dude. We told him we were looking for Julia. And he said, oh, lava bad. She's at her house. I'll take you. So he took us to Julia's house. When she came out, we told her we were looking for the lava bad. And she said, I'm all out for the day. And we were so disappointed. And she said, I'll sell you someone else's. So she went in, she got the lava bag that she had made for someone else and she sold it to us. And she said, I'll make more. So we ended up with all this lava bag and it was, it was really delicious. It was just so fun to meet all these people and search for the big mango tree in the middle of the town. It was really cool. It makes that fun adventure. It sounds like a book. A a what? A children's book. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds magical. Looking for Lava Bad. <laughs> it was so cool. Under the, people, the mango tree. The people that we met along the way, too. I mean, everybody knew this woman. It was just, it was fun. Well, this is what we do when um, when we go to Cayman now, is we always look for somewhere that the lo- locals go. We just ask them, hey, where would you go to eat? And that's where we found a couple of really good places to go. You always find the best food instead of mm-hmm. going to the big restaurants where the tourists go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do that in New York City. Ask the taxi drivers, where did you, where's the last restaurant you went to for dinner? And then we'll go to that restaurant. As long as it wasn't McDonald's. Well, that's true. That's true. First, and you're in a new place. Ah, but I was going to say, speaking of mangoes, remember when we created our soapbox drink, the positive momentum. That was like a year ago. Wow. So if we had to create a 
podcast food, what would our podcast food be? Oh, huh. it would have to have mangoes, I think, like mango chutney. No, oh. not chutney. But I also feel like it would have to have peanut butter in it or bacon. Oh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I like where you're going with that. It could be like a breakfast granola with like a peanut butter granola with mangoes and bacon on top. Hmm. It'd be like sweet and salty and yeah, just like a points. <laughs> but it would have to be vegan. Oh gosh. I guess we can't do a bacon then. I bet there's a vegan bacon. I'm sure there's vegan yeah, bacon. All right. You know what? I'm going to mango on that. I'm not vegan in my bacon. I'm okay. not vegan in my bacon. <laughs> I love you, Danny. Could you I love, I all, bacon I also with love bacon. Bacon's too good, but just don't bring it on a plane. Right. Yeah. Well, you can bring it on the plane. Just make sure it's in your belly by the time you get off the plane. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have to think on this. I like it though. Yeah. So that's our next challenge is to develop a food for the podcast. Yeah. yeah we could all like secretly have to develop it and then come on and tell what it is. Ooh, I wonder if we could mail it to each other. We have to actually eat it because some of these are sounding kind of. Yes. <laughs> we have I almost to eat it. feel like it has to be like some sort of bar or something that's portable because we go exploring and adventuring so much. So it'd have huh. to be something with protein. So it keeps us full. Something that's portable. Yeah, peanut butter. Peanut butter, mango. We could dry the mangoes or use dried mangoes and chop up the bacon. I think we could make like no bait cookies or or power balls. Or like trail trail mix that has dried mango pieces and 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 other stuff. (laughs) Peanuts. Peanuts. (laughs) (laughs) Then it'll be peanut butter in your belly. Peanut, peanut butter clusters and dried mangoes and some pieces of bacon and, we'll and some, some oats like um, from Geta, although it won't be pen oats, it'll be better oats, like oatmeal cookie oats. Hmm. Well, Could you not... use mango juice to candy bacon? Oh, that's, that's a good idea. Mango I don't cook, so that's bacon. why I ask. <laughs> I, like I don't know how it works. It needs to be separate. <laughs> I'm not sure about the bacon in all of this. Fine. You can have the bacon on the side. (laughs) Like chocolate bacon is super good. Yeah. Bacon crumbles would be good in a trail mix. I think it's candied. As long as it's crunchy bacon bits. Not not like bacon bits, but crunchy bacon pieces. Right. Well, if our listeners have any ideas, hit us up. I feel like Murr's going to hook us up with something good, though. She's our chef. I love food. All right. So I'm not eating my food again. Elsie is not eating her food again. Sara and Just Mur, the burgoo. Everything else is good. Sara, Murr, and Jess are all eating their foods again. Definitely. That's not too bad. Three out of five ain't bad. Mm-hmm. How's that song go? Once, tw- wait, that's not the song. Once, twice, twice. three <laughs> times of food. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tracy, is the goat stew that your friends raved about? Was it from the chicken shack? Yeah, but they didn't have goat stew. I tried oxtail stew. Right, I heard that. But my question yeah. is, well, it's not really my question. Now I know I want to try goat stew. So the next time I'm there, I'm gonna see. Just I'll see if the chicken shack has it. Were they just out that day? Do you know, or do they not serve it anymore? They don't serve it every day. Mm. Will you go back and try it? Um, no. Why? Why not? Because it's chicken shack. It is. I don't eat there that often. And their chicken meal, their chicken plate is. Actually, they do call it a plate, Jess. It's called the chicken plate. It's so freaking amazing. I would. In fact, it, it frustrates me when people visit our island and they go to chicken shack and get something else. So when it, um, it was Nate, Nate got the, Leslie and Nate were here to visit and he got the goat stew. And I'm like, you, it's called chicken shack, chicken shack. And it's really famous. I mean, if you Google who, um, who has gone to chicken, it's been on 
a lot of those cooking shows and Martha Stewart has eaten there and Joe Biden eats there. Like all of these people eat at Chicken Shack. It's very famous. Chicken Shack. So no, I'm not, I, I, I only for this challenge, which is why I was kind of excited about it. And then I had to get the oxtail stew, but at least I can say I've had it. So are there other restaurants on the island that serve goat stew? Is this an island yeah. thing? Okay. Goat, yeah. Goat cheese and goat everything. You can get all the goat stuff that you want. At, I mean, yes, you can get that all over. I do goat love goat. Good. We I went to like- chicken. We went to chicken shack specifically because we weren't sure we would like the goat stew, but we knew we would like the Johnny cakes. So. <laughs> Back up. Yep. So I was reading a little history about the Johnny cake on vifoodtours.com. And they say, like you said, it did start out as a journey cake and it would be, they, they made it, it was a go-to food for uh, men and women who worked in the fields. They would eat it early in the morning on their journey to the fields. And typically the fried bread was filled with some sort of meat or fish. So it had that Mm. protein in it to sort of sustain them. But of course, like everything, you know, evolved over time into just the sweet Johnny cake. When I say sweet, it's not really like sweet, sweet. It's not overly sweet. There's like a hint of sweet. It's like a mix between a biscuit and a, and a, um, roll. Yeah, like a roll. It's a mix between a roll and a donut. Yeah. So it's delicious. A little bit sweet and very delicious. We uh, sometimes we go to festivals, street festivals, and we'll stop at every food cart and get a Johnny cake to split and then rank them at the end of the festival. Oh, that's fun. It's a very, very healthy pastime. (laughs) (laughs) It is delicious. So this week for our listeners, we are challenging you to learn more about your local cuisine and then tell us about it by using the hashtag Siren Soapbox on all the social medias. And we will give you bonus points if you share a recipe with us. (laughs) I guess I'm really the only one that cares about that. And maybe a million of our other listeners, you never know. Get that recipe out, girl. Sirens. (laughs) Thank you so much for exploring your local cuisines together. I definitely have a new list of foods I need to try. I'm going to try the burgoo, even though I'm pretty sure Mark will hate it, especially since you describe it as fatty. He's going to mango out of that one. And thank you, fellow explorer, for listening to this episode. We have lots of out in the field footage for this episode. So it's the perfect excuse for you to check out our YouTube channel. And you can get there from our website, sirensoapbox.com. While you're there, do some exploring. You'll find our blog, our shop, and everything else Siren Soapbox. Until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag their latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.